Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 220. If you like Catan, try out these other games. We like to thank Maplewood Hobby, Time Warp Games and Comics, and the only game in town for helping us bring you a brand new charity event. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we've had at the table together once again in Staten Island, New York. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we have a brand new episode for you. We just wrapped up our big charity day for 2019 at Fanwood, New Jersey. It was huge. It was a lot of fun. And it was a tremendous amount of work. And now I'm exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Chris, you you put on, I don't know, 80, 90% of the work here. So (laughs) you say we, but really it's just. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we had so many people kind of chipping in helping out. We had a lot of people from our Friday night game group. And as I mentioned at the start, we had some really great, fantastic board game store partners. So our local friendly game stores, the only game in town, Maplewood Hobby and Time Warp Comics and Games donated a lot of games to our charity auctions, amongst which was a copy of Gloomhaven and just a ton of other games. So people were really blown away by that. And a lot of other people, a lot of other gamers came down and donated games for the charity. And along with the gamers that helped out at the event, along with Fanwood Presbyterian Church that donated the space and helped us out a great deal in raising money to help people who were in need with either food or education, both domestically and internationally. It was a lot of great good that was happening that day. And people were really kind of stoked about doing some good things and We had some local food stores donate bagels and pizza because it's New Jersey. New Jersey is all about bagels and pizza, if you don't know. And once again, thank you everybody who came out to play games, to donate money, and to help make this thing fantastic. We are so blessed to have you in our lives. Listen to the podcast, being part of our Patreon account that helps us produce the episodes, and for showing your support. So we hope to have many more of these events up in the future. And stay tuned. We'll let you know. And uh, if you would like to know more about this charity event and how you could donate or how you could support out or obviously supporting us on Patreon helps a great deal, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash BGA. 
and you'll find our events page. You'll see the events information there. You'll see a ton of pictures from the event and everyone having a lot of fun and what we were able to do with the money. And we raised over $1,200 for the charity, which is a great day for everyone involved. So Anthony, that's been going on with BGA this past weekend. A lot of sleepless nights, a lot of long working hours, but we have a lot more going on with BGA, right? What's going on with our Patreon account? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, like you said, it's been a big long week. It's been amazing, but that does not stop the contest train, giving away games every week. So last week we gave away a game to Jordan in our weekly Patreon contest. So everybody who is on our Patreon account, a backer at the producer level or higher is automatically entered into this contest. You can win multiple times. We've already had 13 winners to date. So this is probably my favorite part of every episode is getting to give away a game. This week's winner is Kyle. Kyle's been a backer now for most of the last year. Congratulations, Kyle. I will reach out to you and you will be getting a game from Game Surplus here in the next week or two. Excellent. Thank you all for uh, supporting us on Patreon. It means a lot. And if you can't support us on Patreon, please share the podcast with other people. It means a great deal. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that there's podcasts about board gaming and having the contests out there to send out more games to gamers is a great deal of fun for us. And as far as I know, I don't think there's any other podcast out there doing that right now. So let us help more board gamers get more games to the table. All right, so that's what's going on with BGA. A lot more coming up. We have some big surprises to be had. But Anthony, we got something that's going on with the board gaming community as well. So big that we're going to have to skip ahead past our general question of the week. If you didn't listen to our last week episode, we covered a tremendous number of questions. So we're all caught up with that. The huge board gaming community and especially Origins. Origins Game Fair does their awards each and every year. And there has been a new announcement for their upcoming nominations. Yeah, it's award season, which is a lot of fun. We have Origins Awards is up first. The They have their own kind of random assortment of categories for, for games that they award every year at Origins. Uh, it's Saturday night. This year it's on June 15th. We frequently try to go to that. I unfortunately will not be at Origins this year. Chris may be at Origins this year. If so, he will be there, and he'll let you know what wins. <laughs> <laughs> and Origins is really fun as far as how they kind of almost randomize the categories each and every year. <laughs> and it, we have a lot of fun and laughs. Listen to those past episodes just for the uh, kind of way in which they organize their contest. So it's award season, which makes sense why we're wearing our tuxedos for the episode. Absolutely. And so why don't you these nominees this year? Yeah, yeah. We have only four categories this year, so... Not as much stuff to make fun of. But, and they're not even that bad. Sometimes, go back to past episodes. You'll, <laughs> if you've been listening for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Board games. That's the category. Wow, board games. That's yeah. that's that's pretty risky category there. I know, right? Says so, a lot about what that category entails. It, we'll get to this, but measuring some of these games against each other, I, I don't... Okay. Brass Birmingham. I've heard of it. Good game, good game. Chronicles of Crime. Okay, okay. Another good game. Yes, yes cryptid i've seen it i've seen it from a distance okay and i should mention of course brass birmingham martin wallace game from roxley games chronicles of crime by david susurro lucky duck games cryptid by ruth vivers and hal duncan from osprey games credit where due of course so once again you have super heavy super technological and then fairly light fairly light yeah um another light game everdell James Wilson, Starling Games. Yeah. Beautiful production. Super production. Uh, Gizmos by Phil Walker Harding. 
Simon Unlimited. Solid game. No, literally no theme, but solid game. <laughs> no theme at all. Pulsar twenty eight forty nine from I, one of your favorite designers, Vladimir Suchi. It's it's the one game of his I have not played yet, so I'm really surprised this is on here. But I want to get this to the table as soon as possible. Yeah, I don't know if I. This game, I'm not even sure what their time frame is for this, because I played this game over a year ago. It was like January of 2018. Yeah. So it came out a long time ago. They typically do that. Rising Sun, Eric Lang, Simon Limited. See, this is where it gets even weirder, because with these Kickstarters, when did a game actually come out? Right. So this is surprising that it's here. It's a great game. We just played it at the convention, and I'm surprised, because they typically don't have a lot of that kind of huge miniature somewhat amerithrash kind of games yeah yeah it's a weird one root cole whirly leader games is one of my favorite games from last year so i'm happy to see it here it's a great game it makes sense it's very cutesy re-implementation on the lighter side of the coin games uh and then space space john declare aeg yeah that seems like their weight and their speed more or less yeah that definitely seems to fit so of these nine games because can't be an even number um, (laughs) which one do you think will actually win that's a rough one. There's a fan award, right? And then there's their award themselves. Yeah, and they almost always match up, but occasionally not. There's no like home run this year. I feel like most years there's a home run, and that's why they always match up. You're like, oh, Gloomhaven came out. Yeah, it wins all the awards. It's fine. But... <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe going with what you said, since it's been on a roll, probably Root. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and then but you know then we switch over. We talk about the Spielish Yars or the Kennerspiel, and the Spielish Yars nominations come out. I think in two weeks. So we'll talk about that in two weeks. Sure. I don't know. Maybe one or two of these fits for either of those. Sure. A lot of these are a bit heavier. I mean, there's a lot of good games on this list and a lot of them meet the kind of the origins. And once again, since their, you know, categories tend to be all over the place, it's typically pretty hard. If you're talking about a straight board game, I think it's going to be root brass. And I think it's a little odd that brass is on here just because it's, this is a reproduction. Yeah. So are we in implementation if you're talking about the Birmingham one? So I'm not sure why this is here. Everdale is a fantastic game. It's a great production. I could see that jumping in there. I mean, you know, Chronicles of Crime with all the technology with glasses. I, I don't think that's going to make it. No. I think probably the safe bet is Root. And my heart is probably with Everdale. Everdale will be cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's the board games category. Now okay. Let's talk about family games, which are also board games. <laughs> Um, you don't say yeah i know families like board games i guess no and some of these aren't even family games so (laughs) number one the climbers holger lantz capstone games what family is playing this i don't know you i I won't let my kids near this game because i'm pretty sure they give each other concussions with the (laughs) blocks jeez um yeah i don't know this is not a family could play this you put a block you climb it they're probably German and they live in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like for a family game to be a family game, it has to be possible for a child to win. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, this is not one of those games. A Kid in a Shuffle from Watzelpog Games. Okay. You ever see this at the convention? It's like these giant little echidnas and they move around the big old board. Yes. Huge yes. I've Yeah, like, and it's got a big toy factor to it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're big toys. And it sells out everywhere because yeah. they only make a couple hundred of them. But... <laughs> Yeah. Mansky Caper, Ken Franklin from Calliope Games. Not bad. Not a bad game. It's one of the better games of this type. Yes. I like it. Uh, Pantone the Game, Scott Rogers, Cryptozoic. That's okay. Like party game-esque. Yeah. I don't see kids playing that and winning. I mean, you could kids could certainly 
move the colors to make certain designs and characters. But I think they're going to have a hard time expressing that because I had a hard time as an adult expressing yeah. that. I don't know. Kids are better at that stuff, though, man. Like the lateral thinking. Sure. <laughs> no, it's clearly a dragon. Obviously, that's a dragon. <laughs> Dude, everything's a dragon. <laughs> Spy Club, Randy Hoyt and Jason Kingsley, Renegade Game Studios. I haven't played it, but I know you have. I love this game. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like, it is very abstract. and It's kind of almost like a puzzle more than a narrative game. Mm-hmm. But it's a detective game for kids, for families. I think sure. it's great. Strawberry Ninja. Chris Castagnetto. I have no idea what it is, but I really want to play it now. I, yeah, I had the exact same thought. It's funny. Strawberry Ninja. That sounds awesome. From Strawberry Studio, too. So you know. Ah. Thematic. Yeah. Super Kitty Bug Slap. I love the name. This is a card slapping game. Okay. I ha- they sent me a copy. Steve Jackson Games did. Okay. And I played with my kids. Yeah, you just slap the cards based on what pops up. But okay. they love it. Because you. it's like... It's kind of like, uh, what's the one where you're trying to grab the jungle speed? Okay, sure. You, you grab the, the item based on the pattern. Yeah, and yeah, except you're slapping a card instead of punching each other. There's going to be some injuries. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the T-Dragon Society card game. Steve Ellis and Tyler Tinsley from Renegade Game Studios. Okay. Seen it. Haven't played it. Me neither. And then When I Dream, Chris Dersalkis Repost Productions. I have not played it, but I did hear a lot about it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. At the table. This is one that has a nice presence to it. Yeah. All right. So that's all the family games. What do you think? I guess I'm going to go with the Mansky Caper just because Calliope game really does a really nice job for kids and families. I mean, the, the games are pre-punched and the quality is pretty good and it really kind of matches everyone's going to be there. The only thing that I could say as far as like where my heart might be would be probably Strawberry Ninja, but I haven't played it yet. <laughs> Just because I'm, of the name. You want yeah. to hear them yell Strawberry Ninja. I, I, I think I'm going to come to the convention as a Strawberry Ninja now. There you go, yeah. I like mean, one Happy Salmon one, and he started throwing fish at the crowd. There you go. I mean, look, if you're going to cosplay at Origins Game Fair, it should be Strawberry Ninja. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for Spy Club myself. Yeah, we'll see. Next up category is card games. So real quick, we'll run through these, because I don't know that we've played many of these games. We've got Anatomy Flux. Uh-huh. Choose Your Own Adventure, House of Danger. Okay. I mean, I'm a big fan of Choose Your Own Adventure, but I... Okay. It is exactly Choose Your Own Adventure with the dice. Okay. Yeah. I liked it, but it, it's just a Choose Your Own... You're reading the cards. Sure. Dark Souls, the card game. Nope. Not good. Nope. Not, nope. Nope. Not nope. Nope. Get the MacGuffin. I love the title, but I haven't played the game. I've heard good things. I've also not played it, but my local store owner really likes it. We saw it at the convention. I'm not... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A couple people are playing this. Yeah. Uh, Maiden's Quest. That sounds familiar, but I have not played that. It is the one-handed solo game. So you're cycling through a deck of cards in your hand, trying to basically power up your Maiden to kill or fight back. She's trying to escape on her own. She's doing it on her own. This was the game that it got kind of like big praise from us on our uh, positive female characterization episode. Yeah, absolutely. These are maidens breaking out on their own and there are the male characters in there but they're generally saving i love the game because it's super fiddly to set up sure but i love everything about how it nice what goes into it so that would be cool to see this get some recognition the mind no it's not no no it's not a game stop saying it's a game take it off bgg sorry no <laughs> no and the the 40 percent of you or 50 who knows who disagree with us, go ahead and leave comments on the YouTube. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. Come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a strawberry ninja. I'm not afraid of you. Yeah, you can mess with us. <laughs> and then the game that will almost certainly win this, Villainous. Yes, without a doubt. And it's actually a really good game. 
it surprisingly reminded me of the same mechanic that's in Scythe, where you basically place on one of your spots, you can't go back there and it gives you an ability and you can upgrade that thing. It's a really good game. It's surprising. Why is it a card game though and not a family game or a board game? It's yeah. got cards, but so does Space Base. Like, yeah, don't understand. I mean, I, the only thing I could think of is that whatever category this was going to be in, it was going to win. Yeah. yeah it's good so point. they're just like, like we'll throw it in card games. Yeah, let's just dump it over <laughs> there because, you know, nothing else was really that spectacular. But yeah, Villainous is my pick and my heart goes to Villainous because you get to be a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a good production for a, you know, a mass market box game that you could probably find in Target. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then the last category, I'm just going to swing these out really quick because I know neither one of us has played any of them. Yep. All out Wasteland Warfare from Modiphius, Kill Team, Games Workshop, Kings of War Vanguard from Mantic Games, Necromunda from Games Workshop, Song of Ice and Fire Tabletop Miniatures Game from Simon, and Star Wars Legion from Fantasy Flight. And while I own stuff from the latter two, I've only barely played Song of Ice and Fire. Sure. Um, I like the mechanics, but I I don't have time or the groups to play these games. Yeah, I have none of these. These are pretty heavy money sinks. And it's one of those games where it's like if you were going to play this, it's going to be somewhat of a lifestyle game. And you need a lot of stuff in order to really enjoy it. And that's just not a thing I can do. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... I mean, I couldn't even say which one I like, if any of them. Sure. So. I mean, Legion looks good. I, I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, so either way. Yeah, for sure. The last category, uh, another one we're not really talking about, it's collectible card games. This is where they shoved Keyforge, which <laughs> this should be in a card game because it's not a collectible card game <laughs> at all. That's the whole point of the game. Sure. Um, and they also have expansions in here for, like, Hero Clicks and Magic and Star Wars Destiny. So probably Keyforge will win because it's new. I think so, and it's just had such a tremendous rollout, and it's been the only card game that I've seen pop up next to Magic for, you know, table time at most game stores. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's all the Origins Awards, and I guess we'll see what happens. They're not as laughable as they have been in the past category-wise, although there's some weird oddities in there, but... Yeah, you you know, anytime you do a awards type situation you really should have a rubric in advance just to kind of make things a little bit more fair or entertaining going into it instead of just being kind of random 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 and then a random category and then stuff like that i I think we, we talked about this on the car on the way to the charity event that it just seems like right now we're getting a high quality level of games but nothing that blows us away nothing that just is garbage and just happens to be in the mass market so it's a generally good time overall. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All games are at least decent. Yes. Which is good. All right. So that's what's going on in the board gaming industry. A lot of stuff is happening there. Keep up with us and we'll let you know about the award winners. And if you're at Origins Game Fair and you do see a Strawberry Ninja, come up and talk to me and I'll let you know about what I think is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now on to our At the Table. So for our At the Table this week, we're going to let you know what games you should run out and buy, sit down at the table, dodge, or absolutely positively burn like there is a mass wall of ice zombies heading your way. So what do we have for us this week, Anthony? All right, we got a couple games that both of us played because... What? I know, we're both in the same place at a convention (laughs) doing stuff. 
Yeah, so this first one is a game that I picked up a couple weeks ago and have played a few times now, and you've played once. Sure. I just taught it to you last night. So it is called Riz Arcana. I've heard of it. I would hope so. And I played it. Yeah, I know you were kind of out of it last night, but... I was doing a lot of things. I know, that's what I'm saying. Trying to save the world. Of games? Of charity. Yeah, Helping feed people. Yeah, good point. Look, <laughs> the Strawberry Ninja can only do so much, man, you know? Yeah, I'm just one Strawberry Ninja. That's right. Uh, Res Arcana, new game from Thomas Lehman. Okay. The guy behind Race for the Galaxy. I've heard of it. It has a lot in common with that game. Okay, if you say so. I, I think it does. Okay. So in, the idea of the game is you have a deck of eight cards. These are called artifacts, and they correspond to various different things. There's dragons and creatures and whatever things, but generally they just either give you income let you do some kind of ability, let you attack people, or all of the above. You will, on your turn, do one of several different things. You will play a new card out, activate an existing card, spend a card from your hand to get resources, or uh, purchase a card from the top rows. There are these big like places of power that you can upgrade to, and, and they do all sorts of crazy stuff, and they're where you're going to get most of your points. Or there's monuments, which are just worth points. The goal of the game is to get to 10 points. The first person to do that, the game ends. You see who has the highest score at the end of that round. You will be doing this by collecting different types of essence. There are five different types. They all have names, but really it's just like green, black, blue, red, and gold. And somebody yesterday when we were playing was actually naming them properly. And I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? What's an Elan? Oh, that's the fire. The red one? (laughs) Played this game like half a dozen times. I don't know what these are. And these things correspond. They like... These are what you pay to build your cards with. They're also what you pay to activate things with. And you're generally just trying to build up an engine to generate more of these essences, to buy more things, to then get more essence, to then generate points. Mm -hmm. So the first 70% of the game is all of that. The last 30% is a race to get points. Mm -hmm. Basically, whoever kicks in their engine first is going to have the best chance of winning. And that's what happened in our game yesterday. It's not always what happens, but that's what happens. So that's basically the whole game. There's not a whole lot of complexity here. The The idea is you have a very limited number of cards. Do what you can with it. You know, I think it, the game comes with 40 cards overall. You're going to use 32 in every game if you play the four players. So there's a little bit of extra cards in the deck. But you just have to min-max as much as you can with what you're given. Um, you get to look at the whole deck at the beginning and just kind of see what that's going to be and how you're going to build your engine. But that is the goal. And that's what I like about it. It's just like, here's the very minimal amount of content to work with. Now do something with it. Build an engine, do something. And the engines are always very different because of that. Some of them are very top heavy. Um, Charles, the guy I won yesterday, generated a ridiculous number of resources. So we got out to a early start. I've played games before where I could draw lots of extra cards into my hand, which you can then spend to get extra resources in various ways or just build. Other ones are just slow and steady burners where you generate lots of gold, which let you buy other things to get your points. It's variable how you're going to do it, but the goal is to do it in the way that matches your cards. If you fight against those cards at all and try to do something different, you will lose. So you really have to like look at that, build an engine, and go with it. I don't know if I love this game yet or not. It's a solid play for me, at least. I don't know if it's up to a buy, even though it's just like a $40 quick card game, and I've played it a bunch already. It's plays 40 minutes or so it's really quick to teach everything i just told you is basically what it takes to teach the game but i just it hasn't blown me away yet i haven't gotten this play sessions in where i'm like yeah that was amazing um so i don't know i'm still kind of in that middle space i'm probably gonna stay there what do you think it's an interesting game obviously i like the designers and the pedigree that goes along with it 
I really enjoyed the artwork. I thought the artwork was really nice. The card quality was okay. Uh, the component quality was decent. I didn't like the tray that came with the components because it was a little too deep and it was a little too odd to kind of uh, manage. But generally, it was okay as far as production is concerned. I did feel that the deck of cards that you were given, even though I understand the uh, enjoyment of the limitations of what you had to work with, I thought was unsatisfying. Like, this is the cards that you have. This is what you're going to be kind of stuck with. Make something out of it. And then there's other ways, as you mentioned, like picking that kind of action ability that you can supplement what you're doing, but then eventually goes back and you have to pick something else out. Okay, and then there's these big kind of cardboard cards that have abilities that you can kind of bring into play and if you can afford them, and then you get to do other kind of mechanics with it. The one game I play, and this is only based upon the one game, I felt it was a little too slow. I would have liked a drafting mechanic early on so that you could have built a better machine. Once again, that's just taste. I mean, the idea of working with whatever you happen to have is an issue, but generally it just didn't feel like enough. And once my engine was going, it still felt very laborious as it, as it went. Now, once again, I only played once and I only, and I worked at a really cool machine. I actually was like, I had a bunch of cards that let me, you know, give away one resource and get one more. And I did that multiple times. And at the end, I was pretty close to winning myself. If we had one or two more rounds, I would have at least reached the end goal. I don't think I would have won because I didn't have a lot of resources. They would have been spent. The cards, as far as what they were concerning, this kind of fantasy element, I would have liked to seen a completely different theme that matched the you have a limited number of cards. So maybe it could have been a caveman situation and generating resources or peasants or something or just something where thematically it made sense that you had a limited situation occurring. Yeah, that's a good point. I almost feel like this was just Lehman being like, I want to make a fantasy game. Everything I do is sci-fi. Sure. Let's just do a fantasy game. Yeah, it's it's hard. I've, I've had a similar feeling in some games and in other games it was very smooth. And it's always feels really balanced. So like a couple of people were like, oh, it doesn't seem balanced. It's 100% balanced because every game, everybody ends around the same amount sure. of points. Nobody in any of the games I've played has had less than seven at the very end because everybody's engines, even if somebody starts a little earlier, they run at about the same speed. Or they catch up, you know, accordingly. Yeah, because I felt like I was taking a lot of... Tur- I was tapping, 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 tapping cards left and right. And I was like, I am so ridiculously so far behind. But eventually, I got the right big card that let me kind of utilize the resources. So I did catch up. It's probably for me... And once again, I've only played this once and it's not a fair judgment or comparison. If I had it based on the one game, I'd probably dodge it just because... It was too generic as far as the game's concerned. I wanted more to that game. That's a fair, yeah, it's a fair assessment. And I've heard that from other people. So I don't think you're alone on that. I like the limitations. I love limitations in games. I love someone throwing a handful of things at you and like, figure it out. Sure. Do something with this. That's something I really like in a game. I honestly like that a little bit more than here's a hundred things. Now I'm going to give you 10 at a time. They'll build something with sure. that, which is fun in its own way. But there's a reason why I like underwater cities so much. Like here's three cards. Sure. Figure it out. But at the same time, I, I do have some of the same issues with you. Yeah. It's just... It just took a long time for what it was for, for yeah. me. Yeah, it feels like it should be... Like Jump Drive has a similar kind of feel to it. Sure. That's a 10, 15-minute game. So yeah, this is a 45-minute game. So I give it a play for now. I don't think I'll get it up to a, a 
buy at any point. And I have a feeling it's lined up on my shelf at some point, not getting played as much. But for the moment, I'm still playing and I'm still bringing it with me and I do enjoy it. Yeah, maybe if they come up with an expansion that has like a mat that, yeah. that's added to it so you can lay the things out, give it a little more thematic look to it and maybe add one or two more mechanics or something that maybe moves it up. Yeah, I could see that. All right. So what else did we get a chance to play at the convention? All right. Yeah, this was another game, a brand new one, actually. Noctiluca. Super new. Super duper new. Just, Super hot, man. So hot. Just, just ooh, ooh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one just hit the stores this last week. So we got a chance to play this right off the presses. It's the new game from Shem Phillips. You may know him from things like Raiders of the North Sea and Architects of the West Kingdom, which I also played yesterday. And it is from Z-Man Games. Uh, so, you know, decently quality production, 40-ish bucks, you know, in sure. that ballpark and the kind of their narrow, thinner box games. The idea of the game is, and this is very simple, so I'm just going to run through it really fast. You have a giant board with hexes that are going to have four or five dice on them. Sure. You place them all out. You basically dump them out. You, I probably need to get a bag for it, but you dump them out on the board and they're random from one of four different colors and the number that's showing needs to stay there. So once they're on the board, you leave them there. That's it. On your turn, you take your pawn, you put it in a space and there's 12 spaces around the board. You choose one of the two directions that's facing from there and then a number. And you take every die in that column or row that matches the number you picked. Then you take those dice, you just basically picked off the board and you put them on these cards that are in front of you. Think of like potion explosion, how you have those potions in front of you and you're putting marbles on them. You have cards, you're putting dice in them that match the colors. When you fill up one of the cards, you flip it over, you get a point token, you draw a new card. Boom, that's the whole game. That's it? Yep. You do that for two rounds. And we just played the two of us, so we each had six goes each round. If you play with more people, you get less actions. Sure. But if you take dice you can't use, those get passed around the table to other people. I'm fairly certain that you can do it in a way where you're not passing to people very often. I, I did maybe two or three times. You did maybe once or twice. Yeah. But as a result... I think probably the scores will be higher in a two-player game. Sure. Because you'll finish more cards. But yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. It was pretty simple. It's super puzzly. I mean, it's just you're staring at the board trying to figure out, okay, how many dice can I get with threes and twos and three ones and four or five? Okay. Oh, you get two of those. That's not good. I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> and you're trying to figure out how to get the right number of colors to match up. Um, you get bonus points for your color. You start the game with a color you're trying to match. So then you're trying to get those two on top of everything else. Um, it's my kind of game. I liked it. <laughs> sure. When you first look at it, like you mentioned, it's it's a completely abstract game. There is some sort of like you are out as a diver trying to collect these creatures for medicine and, and you do not feel that way at all playing the game. And no, no. leave the creatures where they are, nonetheless. Don't put them in little jars. That's that's wrong, man. But beyond that, it's basically, as Anthony said, you put a pawn down, you look down the, the different rows, you have two different options as long as they're not blocked. And you have the dice out there, the different colors, you're trying to match the numbers. And you can, I think when we first started playing the game, I'm like, oh my God, I have to look at all of the different options here because you do kind of gloss over because of the number of dice that are on the, the board. And then eventually you're just like, look at your cards. This is a basic set collection game. What maximizes what you're looking for? All right, I need green and purple. Great. Where has all the green and purple? What has the, all right, this is a lot of green and purple. Great. Does it have a number that matches on the green and purple? Great. Take those, put those on your board. And as you mentioned, if you did have a lot of players at the table, then you would probably overthink at least a little bit more as far as like, all right, he could take that one. He, then that's going to kind of throw you a little bit further. Beyond that, it's a fun, simple game. I wish that there was a little more production value to it. Maybe if they would add like a little 
tree chunk dice tower where the, you throw the dice in and they kind of scatter on the board. Or maybe there was some more kind of interesting like player powers that kind of came into play, like flip a die or something like that, or re-roll a single die. That would have been a little more gamer, so to speak. But otherwise, it's a fine game. I, I would give it a play on the light side for me. This is a game that probably is, what, a 1.1 1. 1 something. It's it's super light on that end. 1.14. 1. Yeah. yeah, it's you could you feel when you play the game because other than just breaking your brain over trying to pick out the right number of dice, it's just the most basic set collection, but a fun set collection. So I'm going to give it a play. Yeah, I like it. It's fun. Uh, it's got a solo mode, which I'm going to play through. It's sure. a play for me right now. We'll see how the solo plays out. Okay. It seems like it's primed to be a nice puzzle. All right, so that's what games hit our table this weekend. So let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are going to talk about if you like this particular game, you should try out these other games. So we wanted to go way back to the king daddy of all games that have been out there, Settlers of Catan, or better known now as Catan. Now, you've probably played Catan, but probably haven't thought that there are a lot of other games out there that utilize the same mechanics that you can find. And if you do have family, and you probably do have gateway gamers at your game night, that you could say, hey, I know that you like Catan. You should try out these other games. And Catan's a pretty simple game. You got route building. You have dice rolling and trading so there are a lot of different options as far as playing the game and what really makes Catan great is it's accessible and it keeps everyone engaged the entire time so we're gonna let you know six games and if you want to take Catan to the next level because you like it you should definitely try these out so Anthony why don't you start us off all right yeah so one of the mechanics in Catan that's fairly unique there aren't a lot of games like this is that when someone else rolls their dice you could potentially benefit from it now, that's something that we've begun to see more often in some other games, and those games tend to be more deck buildy type of games. So there are a few of them, but the one that kind of stands up as the one that does it the best is Valeria Card Kingdoms, along with all of its expansions. So you're building out a tableau of various cards for building up your kingdom of different people. And the basic idea is each of these cards has a die number on it, and when that die is rolled, you get a benefit from it. If somebody else does it, you get it as well. So it's like Machi Koro, and to a lesser extent, kind of like a space base, where if somebody does the thing that your card says it needs to do, you benefit and gain something from that. So you're always engaged in the game. You're always generating resources. There are other mechanics here involved, of course, but this is a relatively simple, lightweight. It's a sub 2.0 weight game, similar to Catan, very easy to get played, and I feel it does it better than a lot of those other games that have kind of the same mechanic like Machi Koro. So that's Valeria Card Kingdoms. For me, I'm going to go to another classic, maybe something you haven't played because it might be a little bit drab, but it's getting a reprint, and that's the Castles of Burgundy. So when you're playing Catan, it typically is all about the dice rolling. The dice rolling is going to tell you exactly what resources you'll be able to pick up and then utilize in the game. Well, Castles of Burgundy is very much the same way. This game from Stefan Feld utilizes dice in a really unique way because rolling the dice and determining not just what you pick up from the board based upon one of the dice, but also where they're being placed. Now, that seems pretty simple, but it does become very complex because placement means a lot. And based upon what die you roll means what resource you'll be able to pick up or what special building you'll be able to pick up. 
And you might be able to build up your pasture, be able to pick up goods for shipping. So that mechanic, as far as the dice rolling concern, has a lot of connection to Castles of Burgundy, and it's a fantastic game. All right, next one for me is, again, another one that's not one you would think of right away if you're trying to find uh, a game similar to Catan, but that's Dinosaur Island. And the reason why I picked this one is because it has an element of dice selection, kind of a draft. And there's a lot of games out there where you draft dice, pick dice, and that's how you get your resources. This game has multiple phases to it every time you play through each round. But at the beginning, there's a bunch of dice rolled and you'll take turns taking actions to pull those dice and generate resources by the dice that you select. There are other ways to upgrade those. There are different types of hidden goals and objectives that you get victory points from. A lot of this feels kind of like Catan 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whatever it might be. It's well beyond what you'd get in that kind of a game. But if you like the idea of dice being a central part of generating your resources, building out a tableau in front of you, gathering the items you need to build things that are going to help you generate the victory points to win the game. This game does that very well. There are a lot of games with that kind of mechanic, but this is one of my favorites. And again, kind of the next step up in terms of weight in the mid two range. That's Dinosaur Island. Now, if you're looking for a game that really utilizes Catan's trading mechanic, a really excellent game as far as negotiation trading is concerned is Chinatown. Now, Chinatown has a lot of interesting mechanics because really what you're trying to do is section off different parts of Chinatown that's based upon those resources in the area. But like every other type of trading negotiation game, you're typically going to have resources and spaces in which you're not going to be able to utilize those to the best of its ability, but someone else definitely does. They might have that particular section or that particular good, and now it comes down to trading and negotiation. We've all heard the jokes of, you know, do you have wood for my sheep? Now, this is very much true about Chinatown, but it's a lot more cutthroat and a lot more interactive throughout the game. Not just what you trade, but when you actually play those resources throughout the game. So if you're looking for something that has that same kind of cutthroat trading mechanic, negotiating mechanic, that's going to be Chinatown. All right. So the last one on my list, and this is another step up on the complexity scale in the mid threes, is Scythe. Now, Scythe is no surprise to anybody. This game is top 10 game of all time. But the reason I picked it and the reason I think it's a good one if you like Catan, especially if you haven't tried this yet, is that it has a lot of the similar ideas in terms of how you're going to get resources off the map. You are going to have, at the beginning, just a couple of workers, but as you move them out and as you take that action to generate resources, you're going to get more from those particular tiles. So each tile represents a different type of resource, just like Catan. So if you have a worker on the wood space, you will generate wood when you take that production action. Of course, there are a lot of other things mixed in here. You have a certain element of combat, you have these resource collection and all this set management and the, the race to generate points in various ways. But at the end of the day, this game is really about gathering the goods you need to build the things you need to generate the points you need and a limited number of them too. You're getting those stars up there and those aren't your points necessarily, but that's how you're ending the game. And they do represent a lot of how you're going to end up scoring. So it's, again, a few steps beyond what you get in Catan. But if you like that element, if you like how the board works and how you kind of jockey for position, Scythe is a good next, next step for you. Now, of course, if you like Catan, I'm sure you like it because of its pieces. So why not love the game that has all the pieces from Catan and so much more? (laughs) Of course, it's Terra Mystica the big, heavy, super expensive game that for some reason 
is made up of Catan pieces. Wait, wait, that's not all of it. I mean, obviously, Terra Mystica also utilizes a lot of Catan's route building mechanics. So you have your fantasy race, you're flipping over tiles as you terraform the land in order to build out your civilization. And at the same time, you're trying to block off your competitors' routes and buildings. Same thing like you do in Catan. You're trying to build for the longest roads. You're putting down buildings. You're putting down roads. Identical. Now, obviously, there are a lot of games that does this. But when you actually get to see the same Catan components in Terra Mystica, now, obviously, Terra Mystica is super heavy in comparison to Catan, it brings you back and it gives you that same type of route building mechanic. So if you're looking for something heavy, if you're looking for something with route building, you definitely want to check out Terra Mystica. All right, so there are six games that takes Catan to a next level as far as the different components and mechanics are concerned. So if you like Catan or if you're friends or family or gamers at game night, try some of these other games. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.